Hi, everyone. This is Sandra, and you're listening to the Talk Carby to Me podcast. Back to the grindstone today. So I've started day one of my bulk after a weekend of Thanksgiving leftovers. So so after a weekend of bulking, we're continuing on with the bulk. We might as well. Yeah, there wasn't much like a movement bulk, though. So the program didn't actually start, uh, but it starts today. So Monday. Got what a good little... Get a good little workout in. So it started out with eight 15 second wind sprints, 270 medicine ball throws. And then we had some chest, little triceps, little shoulders. So breaking it up this time. So usually I train upper lower. Now we're doing a, a little bit more targeted. But the rep nice. scheme, the rep schemes are 90% of your 10 rep max, uh, five to 30 reps. So that was a new experience for me today oh well it sounds like fun yeah you're out of it <laughs> yeah you usually I, usually i don't have this effect that, or this response to it but i'm like i feel like i don't know like i'm not like i'm not crushed like i could probably go work out again right now but i, I like i can definitely tell that i've worked out in a way that i haven't worked out in a long time i think that's like kind of I mean, it's sometimes humbling to feel like a beginner again, you know, even though you're not a beginner, I'm not trying to say you are a beginner, but there was, there are always like those workouts where like, no matter how experienced that you are or how fit you are, they humble you a little bit. Yeah. The, the humbling is always fun. Yeah. I think it's also kind of cool because it kind of reminds you again of like what it's like to be a beginner. At least that's my, from my own experience, like when you start doing like something completely new or different or new training phase, you kind of get reminded of what, like what, what a lot of your clients are going through when they first start exercising. And it's like, yeah, this takes a lot out of you. The first, you know, first couple of weeks, kind of hard until you find your new rhythm, until your body adapts to your new training stimulus. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the stuff is some of the stuff I've done before. It's just a, a refamiliarization in a lot of the things. But it's definitely yeah. a, it's definitely a different way to sharpen the axe uh, than I've For been sure. used to. So that was a fun day. Well, gains will be made, especially once you adapt to it. Let's hope. <laughs> How many days a week are you working out now in this new program? So before I was my what I've been doing for a good amount of this since probably beginning of the summer was uh, lifting anyway. It was four days a week lifting. Um, there might be some shenanigans somewhere in there too and whatnot. This one's going to be six days a week. Oh, fun. So it's been about a year since I've lifted six days a week. So that'll be an interesting change. Looking forward to it. See if we can get a little chubby. Yeah. Well, I mean, you'll probably feel it for the next couple of weeks a little bit. What's your, what's your weekend day going to be that you're, that you're going to work out on? Saturday or Sunday? It's going to be Saturday. I'm just going to take Sunday, leave that as a, the football god day. <laughs> Some sort of god day. Yeah, I leave I leave Sundays a lot. I leave Sundays a lot to just kind of be that day where I just don't do anything. Like you're really not getting much out of me. That probably goes back to my retail days. But I mean, honestly, like I feel like most people just kind of take Sundays to reset for their week. I even remember like even when I had that, you know as a trainer, you tend, if you're working for a corporation, you tend to have to work either a Saturday or a Sunday. That's part of your shift. Saturdays were money makers. Sundays were <laughs> catch up on all the admin work day. <laughs> yeah. 
So depending on what day you got, you either were going to have a really great weekend or not. Yeah, I remember I used to work Saturday and Sunday. Like Why? both both days, 10-hour shifts. Really? Why? It, it was just the it was just it's just the way the world worked in retail. Oh, retail. I thought I was a trainer now. I'm like, why would you want to do that? <laughs> that sounds oh, awful. As a, as a trainer, so my first training job, I got pretty lucky. I was able to snag Monday through Friday, six to, six to noon. Whoa. And so going from retail to that, I was like, ooh, this is nice. That's a really sweet schedule. And then I went into starting at Lifetime. That was Tuesday through Saturday. And once I became a real boy, uh, what my shift, what my schedule really turned out to be was really busy Tuesday through Friday. And then I probably worked for about two hours on Saturday and just kind of hung out. Yeah. I mean, especially at this club here in Raleigh, like that's 10 o'clock on a Saturday. Like I've never experienced anything like that. Like, <laughs> oh, it's like a, it's like a Drake concert. Yeah. Like. <laughs> It was like you really couldn't train people at that time. Like it was just a time you just had to say, you know what, it is what it is. We'll make up for we'll we'll train around the other hours, just not ten to eleven. Yeah, most most uh, most Saturdays for me became. I'm just gonna shake hands. I'm gonna kiss babies. Eat a chocolate chip muffin. I'll look like I'm uh, look like I'm productive. Yeah. Give someone a motivational speech. Go hide somewhere. Uh, <laughs> Oh, we, we didn't get paid by the hour so uh, if you're not paying me honestly you kiss my ass so but you had to be there yeah strange that's very odd rule it's a super odd rule as anthony's manager i had to enforce that he had to be there <laughs> <laughs> oh my god anyway world cups underway switch subjects yeah <laughs> We just, uh, for those that are listening, we are just coming out of the Portugal-Uruguay game. My husband's from Uruguay. So the baby's half Uruguay. Poor G. Yeah. Yeah. That penalty was a little uh, uncalled for. I think it was definitely called for. No. In the rule book, it says, there's literally a picture. The the sports commentators of the Peacock that were are in Spanish. So I got the translation. Um, they said that there was actually a rule book with a picture of that exact move that the player was doing and how that should not be called because you bracing for your fall. Oh, you can absolutely argue that that's uh, circumstantial. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh my God, you have to call a penalty. I think it was irrelevant in the result anyway, but yeah, uh, you could see the argument both ways. Yeah. But goals at the end matter of your, of your group stages, right? So like you don't want that many goals against you. Unless you get a lot of goals against you, but you still win. Right. Right. And I also, I love that you watch in Spanish. That's the only true way to watch a soccer game is in Spanish. Well, we, we do have slang. So we have been watching in English, but not all games are on slang. So some of them we have to watch in Spanish. That's, that's a, that's a blessing. That's don't say it like that. Like that's a blessing. I like to know what's going on. And my Spanish isn't great enough that I can actually understand what's going on. If you're watching a game, a <laughs> soccer game in Spanish, when a goal happens, you will know what's going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't miss that. That yeah. you can't miss. Yeah. Um, it's funny because yesterday we were watching. Was it yesterday that Germany played? Or was that, was that yeah. yesterday? 
Yeah, that was yesterday. Oh, the days are all blending together. We watched it in German. And <laughs> my husband was like, I thought this would be more exciting. Because <laughs> it was just like a very, like, you know, typical German monotone a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to was, I'm gonna huh? have to check that out. You know, it's kind of it's hard to break into the network. Mm-hmm. You gotta like do a whole VPN change and all of that. I don't know how legal that is, so please don't turn us in. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean there are some really good commentators, just the ones yesterday were not. Yeah, your FBI agent's punching air right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna see them at the doorstep after this airs. <laughs> but yeah, things stay interesting. It's been like a very strange World Cup. For those that like don't usually watch the World Cup or are new to soccer, this is a very strange World Cup. Everything that you expect not to happen has been happening. Oh, I know. A, a lot of sports this year have been that way. I, I think it wasn't re- good for them. <laughs> yeah, I think the uh, the England USA result was pretty solid. Best meme, best meme, uh, best meme assortment to ever come out of any single event in the history of humanity is coming from that game. Really? I've been missing out on the memes. I'm going to have to send them to you. Like the USA is undefeated against England in 1776. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Like that's, that's the best one. Uh, It's like you created a sport and then it's not even our main sport and you didn't beat us. (laughs) (laughs) I actually watched that in Charlotte at a bar. Um, The, that game in particular, and it was very interesting vibes. Very interesting. Just a bunch of people that just recently started like watching soccer all coming together and like thinking they know better. <laughs> it's just like the it's just like the Olympics. You put a United States jersey on something and that guy's suddenly your hero. It's fascinating. Right? <laughs> and like, all you, of a sudden you're a professional at their sport. <laughs> yeah, you've never you've never heard of this person before, and magically it's like, oh my god, like totally. Anyway, what else is new? How's your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was great. Spent a lot of time with the fam. Nice. Mom and pops came down. Uh, within about mm, two hours of my mother being in the state of North Carolina, instantly in my stomach, I could tell that mom was in town. <laughs> in so like a positive way. Hopefully mom was positive. <laughs> well, it, no, it was, def- it was definitely a positive thing. But like my body was like, oh, my microbiome was not ready for that that amount of food. <laughs> like like my, my stomach was aware uh, of the shift. In the holiday portion, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I honestly, I ate a lot. I drank a lot. It's pretty solid. Can't complain. It was a good little, a good little escape from reality for a couple days. Yeah, it's kind of sad for it to be over. You know, you you get to do it again in about thirty days. Yeah, it's different though. We have like I we have different meals. Like Thanksgiving and Christmas are two different. Two very different holidays. Now you, you got to run it back. No. Maybe not. Maybe not turkey though. But everything else, you just run it back. No, that's not. That's not how we do it in Germany, in my family, at least. <laughs> we don't have stuffing in Germany, so my my Christmas holiday is a little bit more German. Wait, you guys don't use stuffing? No, we don't have stuffing. What do you do? What do you put inside the bird? Well, it depends. You don't necessarily always do a bird. Like, so our, so within my family, like our Christmas tradition is we do what's called a raclette. It's like this, I can't say it any other way. It's like the stone that has a little oven on the bottom 
Um, God, you guys, you guys are gonna have to Google this. Anyway, you turn like you cook your food on the table, everyone together. It's like a device that you put on the table and you cook all your food together. That's what we do Christmas Eve, and then the next day on Christmas Day, that's when we do like a goose or something like that, or some sort mm. of meats, and then we do the red cabbage and the dumplings with it usually. That's how we do it in my household. Every family has their own traditions. So it's like a Korean barbecue, just German? <laughs> I don't even know if it's German. I think it's Swiss, actually. <laughs> I don't know. We always do it, but it's so good. I highly recommend. But yeah, I guess it is kind of similar to Korean barbecue. If you've never done Korean barbecue, highly recommend. Yeah, we need to go back. That was great. Yeah, we feasted. Yeah, dude, dude just he kept bringing he just kept bringing stuff out as I I'll throw it in this hot thing. Like, <laughs> what else you got yeah. back there? Remember how much brisket we got? We had like ordered brisket <laughs> and we had brisket for like 40 people. Yeah. We had oh, yeah. so much brisket. Post workout hack. Go to yeah. a Korean barbecue. <laughs> it is predominantly protein, so you do get that. Mm. Love that. A little refuel after your workout. But yeah, this year for Thanksgiving, my father-in-law made the turkey and he, I guess soaking is the wrong word, but he marinated the turkey in some sort of liquid for like 24 hours. It was like whiskey in the liquid and some other stuff. Ooh. It came out so amazing. Like probably the best turkey I ever had. And I've that. had fried turkey. Fried best. turkey is pretty legit. You know, you would think. The first time I had fried turkey, I'm like, oh, it's just like a normal turkey kind of. Yeah. But, yeah. I thought, I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting from a fried turkey to be different, but it's just kind of the same, really. I enjoy all the videos you see pop up around this time. <laughs> like the, the the turkeys on fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When they, it just goes south, like it's south in a hurry and it's like, oh. <laughs> That's funny. Did your mom cook the full Thanksgiving meal for you? Yeah, she always does. You, like... There was one year uh, I was away for Thanksgiving. I was at basic training. So I spent that at Fort Benning, which is not ideal. Mm. And she, she still made the full dinner. Like yeah. she made she made the full dinner like the day I left, like the day before I left, which was in August. And then she made it again when I came back, which is like the second week of December. That's nice. Yeah. Well, make sure you don't miss out. That's a good mom. Yeah, she's great. She really yeah. needs to, I keep telling her she needs to make a recipe book. Hey, I'm sure. Look, people really look for like mom's recipes for Thanksgiving. Yeah, she literally hit me with, uh, well, not her. My, my my dad hit me with the, uh, hey, we need someone to pass these recipes on to. Like, oh, you got the talk. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> just, just, just write them down. <laughs> You got the whole, like, you know, you're not getting any younger anymore, talk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. But once you have that part, then then it's, then, the, then they're going to bother you with, yeah, well, you know, we're not going to be around much longer. We'd love to be grandparents. Yeah. You can't see it. You're not going to be able to tell based on, like, my, but my eyes just, like, <laughs> got really wide. And there was, like, a. Like an anger tone, and there's a furrowed brow there when she said that. It just bugged out of his head. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a couple steps that uh that we're missing uh, yeah. to get to that point, but uh, we're, the outlook for 2023 is promising, and 
<laughs> you got some good. You got a good funnel going so far of leads. <laughs> the, the zero leads. Oh. <laughs> there's, there, there's no leads. <laughs> well, at least you know what they say. Like you, at least you know the people that aren't an option. Yes, there's there's about eight billion of them on the planet. Yeah. We just crossed that number. <laughs> <laughs> you know who's not an option. <laughs> Mrs. Claus. <laughs> well, shall we talk about today's topic then? Shall we? We should. We should, given that we're 20 minutes already into this podcast. Yeah, that, that was a great recap, though. I mean, there's a lot. There's, there's a lot, lot to talk about. There's a lot going on right now. But yeah, so topic of today are detox diets. Da da da. Anyway, we're talking about detox diets today, all the things from elimination diets to your juice cleanses, your tea cleanses, and your supplements, and what else are people doing these days? Fasting. 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 Yep. A lot of interesting stuff coming out around fasting. But yeah. I, think, I think it's worth talking about first, like, what is a detox diet? So... I always, I'm always super fascinated by this and talking to people. If I start talking to someone and they're not a client and they start telling me about their detox, I'm automatically just going to agree with everything they say. <laughs> Why is that? I, it's just, it's, it'll trigger me. And I'm just like, yep, absolutely. That sounds great. Awesome. Yeah. You, <laughs> you should, should do that. <laughs> you should, you should totally do this. There's in no way, shape or form does this sound like it's going to be miserable for like seven days. Totally. Totally. <laughs> I think like it sounds super catchy, right? Like it sounds amazing. And I think that even really, really great physicians that have really, really great nutrition information, they were all doing their own little version of detox diets. Um, I almost think that if you don't have some version of that and you're kind of in the field, you're, you're missing out on a portion of people and everyone's just capitalizing on everyone's lack of education around it. Oh, for sure. It's also such an ambiguous like topic too. Like, 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 do, like, do people just think that we're just full of like all these toxins and we're just to like, you can become a toxic individual. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think, you know, here's the way I have always viewed detox diets and I just have a little bit of a different perspective on it. I, for me, like detox diets are really just like you just cleaning up your diet. Like just don't eat shit food just don't eat that much process like just eat less processed food and that to me is detoxing your diet yeah the great part about the human body is that when it was created they were like we should probably make a way for it to detox itself and that's why my friends you have a liver <laughs> so when you go drinking and you get intoxicated that filters through your systems and you are no longer intoxicated intoxicated <laughs> it's crazy how that works that it's really is how that goes absolutely insane yeah so i mean like there are different like organs in your body that play um into making sure that you're detoxing on a daily basis um and big part of that is your liver um your kidneys play another big role um your sweat as well your lungs are constantly detoxing as well they're filtering out that any gross air, they're making it clean for your body. Your bowel movement is another way that you're naturally detoxing too. So you got like your urine, you got 
um, bowel movements, sweat, like things that you can actively release to actually get rid of toxins because toxins, I will say toxins are a thing, right? Like we do have a bunch of shit in our food, a bunch of chemicals. Um, so toxins really are a thing, um, but your body's constantly working on detoxing. Now, can you do things to help support those organs like your liver, your kidneys, help support proper bowel movements, um, help support, you know, uh, urine production, sweating more, all those things. Sure. Oh, your lymphatic system too. Your lymphatic system, super key. Um, because if I can just go on a quick detour here about the lymphatic system. Do your thing. Um, basically, the lymphatic system doesn't have an engine attached to it. That's how I like to describe it. Um, it's not like the blood flow, or the uh, like your blood flow in your body where it has like a heart and the heart is like, actively pumping blood around. Um, the lymphatic system is a purely manual system, meaning unless you are manually manipulating it or through movement, movement, exercise, then your lymphatic system actually doesn't, I mean, it just doesn't really move properly, just stays there. That's why in hospitals or like when you're sick, good hospitals, I should say, um, or when you're sick, they recommend to not really be too long on bed rest and they want you moving as quickly as possible. That's why they have physical therapists in hospitals and stuff as well. You want to get that lymphatic system moving. Um, masseuses do that too, right? They are heavy on the lymphatic system um, movement part piece of it. Um, so yeah. Fun fact like, about bed rest. Tell us. After one day of bed rest your vo2 max starts to drop no matter regardless of your level of fitness it is a measure of cardiovascular health um obviously you want a super high vo2 you don't want a very low vo2 um and basically it just kind of is like a sign that if your vo2 starts going down that your cardiovascular health you know is not as great as it used to be so cardio helps you improve your vo2 Best way you can summarize why that number, why VO2 is important. The best way to summarize it? Hmm. Well, because you got to breathe, you know, you got some oxygen around your body. Breathing is important. That's true. Well, yeah. <laughs> a, a really good way of to, to kind of wrap your head around um, VO2, because that obviously it's another one of those things that, that are thrown around, right? So it's, how efficient your body is with oxygen and getting blood around, right? It's an indicator of how healthy your heart is. Right? As you exercise, do things in your daily life, your muscles produce force, stuff like that. Once your, v what, your VO2 is going to be, what's going to be able to facilitate that force, right? The higher your VO2 max is also the bigger your heart is going to be. The bigger your heart is going to be, the healthier it's going to be, which is going to translate to being able to increase more, increase your force production, right? that's going down and you're not exerting force and you have more of a sedentary lifestyle, muscle mass is obviously going to decline. Your level of force that you're going to exert is going to be less, but take it a step back, right? Your heart health is going to decline as well. And that, that's that saying like your VO2 max is low. You suddenly have heart disease. No, it just means it's going to be less in a position to help facilitate things around the body. If you look at one of the leading causes of death in humans over 65, it's a fall. As that you get your bone density down, your muscle mass goes down. That's something, two things that are going to happen as you age, right? Are you able to catch yourself? Are you able to pre prevent the fall? Are you more stable? Are you strong enough to resist 
the forces of gravity as you're tumbling through the ground and stuff like that. So that's one of the ways, uh, one of the reasons why we say it, it's not so much like, oh my God, do cardio, lose weight, stuff like that. But it's like, it helps your VO2 max and things of that nature. So that way you have the ability to keep all these systems in your body going and you can fend off father time a little bit. Yeah. Basically your heart is just one big muscle and cardio is strength training for your heart. So that's why it's all important and ties together, but we're getting way off topic here from our detox diet. Yeah, we are. Um, this was a topic we didn't think we we're going to be preaching today, but, um, basically let's go back to detox diet. So now we kind of know what they like, what a detox diet is. It's basically people's perception of eliminating toxins from your system. Your body is detoxing all day long already. Um, so ways that you can think about or programs you might want to consider are things that maybe support those organs that help in carrying out and eliminating waste from your system. Um, other ways you can also help support your body in this process is eating less shit food. So eating less like foods with a lot of chemicals in there or foods that you can't even, that you don't even understand what the chemicals are in them. So for instance, um, crap, I'm trying to think of something here now, like a, like a nice condiment, right? Let's think of like, I don't know, some sort of sweet and sour sauce, right? If you look at the label of that, you half the ingredients might not, might not understand what they are, some sort of chemicals in there. And we hope and pray that we are, you know, we can tolerate those chemicals that are in there. But um, at the end of the day, your body has to find a way to get rid of that. But no way. Yellow 44 is delicious. <laughs> exactly to my point right red so. seven is my favorite <laughs> what is it is it red four that's like the super dangerous one i think so oh well okay so i was just recently listening to this youtube video about this dietitian and she evaluates different diets and she's actually pretty fun to watch um she and so she she entertains me let's put it that way and she used a lot of science to help promote what her like why her re what her reasonings are which i think is super cool um but one thing i disagreed with her on um, and this is like a very typical dietitian thing to say especially for american dietitians is like why like why are there a different ban of certain foods in europe than they are in the united states um and that i guess in the united states we take dosage of it into account versus in europe that they don't, they just say, well, something can cause you to have cancer at any, at, at larger levels that you just shouldn't have it at all. Right. Kind of seems intuitive, right? But in the United yeah. States, we're like, yeah, but if you only have like a little bit of it, then that's really not that big of a deal. So you can continue to have that in your food. And that's why we have more things that we can technically be having in our food versus in Europe. And, and for someone who has grown up in Europe and lived in Europe, there is just a huge difference in how you feel on the food that you're eating over there than you do here and it just can't be ignored and i think one of that is the fact that we you know the, those ingredient banned lists are just super important yeah I'm off topic a little bit but it's my, okay <laughs> my little soapbox yeah you you the dietitians are a creative bunch i will say that you guys put out a lot of great information, but also your social media pages. It's like almost like part of becoming a dietitian is you have to make really aesthetically pleasing documents. I find it truly fascinating. Oh, I think it's important. I love my beautiful documents. Uh, I'm aware. <laughs> it must so, appeal to the eyeball. Yeah. So where do you think the need for, where do you think people like the general, like if you look at like the general population right now, when I say general population, I mean someone who's not a trainer and you're not a, a bodybuilder or an athlete or something like that. You're just, 
your regular person, like, where do you think it comes from as far as being like, okay, I need to do a detox diet? Yeah, I think it comes from the fact that people just want to change in how they're feeling. Um, like, like you're just not feeling great. You know, your diet isn't great. You know, you're not eating healthy. And so people use, they're like, oh, well, I must detox before I even pursue a healthy diet. And it also kind of gets sold like that. You know, it's like, well, before you can start this actual program, you must go through these seven days of detox or these 14 days, whatever it is. Um, it does also get sold to be like that. The, the thing I find fascinating about it is you see a lot of folks and they're like, oh, I want to feel better and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, right now, rattle off your symptoms. What are you feeling? It's like, uh, and it's like, well, you've not given this too much thought. Like what, where did this idea come from? Like you should, for me, if I'm going to make a drastic change like that, I'm going to know the exact reason why. Yeah, right? totally. I think also too, like you kind of touched on a very important reason is like, what are you trying to accomplish with this detox diet? Like, are you doing it to mentally feel better? Are you doing it to feel less bloated? Are you doing it to relieve migraines uh, because you have tried everything and maybe it's coming from your food or something like that, right? Like what is the reason that you're doing it? And then once you know the why behind your decision, then we can start talking about, okay, like let's look at what you're currently doing. Um, and maybe you don't need an entire diet overhaul. <laughs> Maybe we just need to focus on certain parts of your diet. For sure. I think one of my one of my favorite ways uh, when you have someone you're having a detox conversation, uh, and th now this would be someone that I'm working with, because again, as I stated earlier, if you have a detox conversation with me, have fun snorting apple cider vinegar. I think that I think it's a it's a weird kind of thing, right? So obviously, people are going to have these symptoms, which will be bloating, headaches. I feel weird. I don't feel good. I'm groggy. I have brain fog. My hormones are a little off, things like that. And it's going to be like, well, what's the fastest way to get there? And you're just going to find the typical, the typical way the world works, right? A quick mandate, right? So you're going to do something and be like, oh, this is, this is a huge change. And a lot of times it's really not going to do too much, but what people forget when you, when you look at something and say you suffer from, so what those symptoms essentially are called are inflammation. Like inflammation or insensitivities, right? So if you suffer from some insensitivities or inflammation and things of that nature and you want to get rid of them, there's a reason that they're there in the first place. So if you go through your little juice cleanse, detox phase, whatever you want to call it, and then you go right back to your old diet, guess what's going to happen? You're going to still have them, totally. right? It, it's not like it's one of those things where think of your stomach like a fishbowl. It's not like you went and got a brand new fishbowl, right? It's still the same fishbowl. And uh, it, looking at your gut, it's probably a, a pretty good way to look at it is comparing it to a fishbowl. Your fishbowl is going to be a, a representation of how your diet is, right? So if you are someone who has been eating a lot of junk food, a lot of processed foods, a lot of things that, you know, kind of creep in here and there, but let's say it's someone that it's just chronic and it's constant. You eat fast food every day. You have a horrible diet. You don't eat a lot of vegetables. There's not a lot of fiber in your diet. Your, your, your fishbowl or your gut microbiome right, is going to be reflective of that. So if you're, you, you meet those people all the time that can hammer back Taco Bell and you meet other people that when they eat Taco Bell, they like explode. Right. And that's, that's kind of that thing. Their body's used to different dietary changes. So, um, I think a lot of it, the part that gets lost is sure you have this intervention, which I guess let's just call it an intervention, but the behavior that leads you to that, the need for the intervention needs to change because it's just going to repeat itself again. Totally. And like, also that's a very good point that you bring up, like, that your gut microbiome is like exactly the blueprint to your diet because as you go cold turkey from eating 
um, like fast food all day long to let's say even like a juice cleanse, like you're going to have a miserable time on that program. Mm. Let me just tell you, like, you're just not going to feel great. And every symptom that you're, that you're feeling is going to feel like 10 times worse on that program. Um, but also similar to if you go straight from like, let's say eating like a crappy diet to now you're eating a diet full of like fiber and whole foods and like all this healthy, like whatever you envision yourself to have as this healthy diet, right? Um, which that technically is a healthy diet, but you're not going to feel great on that either. You're also the first couple of weeks, you're not going to feel great on eating a bunch of vegetables because your body isn't set up that way. And why should it be? Yeah, for sure. A lot of times you'll, yeah, we'll have clients that I'm constipated. I'm super gassy and things like that. Like, Oh, this isn't for me. I can't do that. It's like, it's going to take some time. Like you, you didn't, you didn't get to where you are now. And you know, a week, it's going to take a little bit more time to get used to it. Um, but as you go through and like, when you say like, I'm cleaning up my diet, essentially what you're doing is you're adding in better quality foods, more whole foods, more vitamins, more minerals, more nutrients, things of that nature. And that's going to help clean your fishbowl. So when you put clean stuff into your fishbowl, you're going to be, it's going to, you know I mean? You're going to feel better with it over time. Yeah. Yeah. Keyword over time. Right. So a lot of people, even yeah. like the people feel nauseous. I've had someone like throw up because they decided they need to do a drastic diet change. And I'm usually a person, I very much am an advocate of slow, um, slow and steady wins the race. But you just meet some people, um, and I've met a handful of those people that they're just so ambitious and they have to change everything all of a sudden overnight immediately. Um, and some people they can just endure all these like terrible feelings, right? Like throwing up, nausea, fever can even break, like they can even be breaking out, right? You can have all these like terrible flu-like symptoms your first week or even week and a half when you change your diet that drastically. Um, I commend people that can last through it. I know I couldn't, um, but that's what happens if you do it too extreme. Now, if you do it more gradual, let's say at like one meal at a time, you give yourself time to adjust, these symptoms will be maybe not even existent. What meal would you start with? Honestly, I would. I usually like to start with breakfast because that's in the morning. That's usually the time when you are most motivated to make a change. By the end of the day, the whole day usually goes by and you're emotional about something. Um, it's just not the time that you're going to make healthy choices usually. Um, so I always find that evening, time, dinners, meals after dinner are the hardest thing to change. But breakfast is usually the easiest. And then you kind of work your way down the list from there. What about you? I first look at their schedule and their routine. So if you have someone that works like a second shift job or like a night shift job, dinner's going to be, or breakfast is probably going to be the better choice for me. If you have someone that works in the morning, I'll usually go with dinner, especially if the person is not like alone and single, right? So if they're, they have a partner or, you know, they have kids, family, stuff like that, because that's the meal most of the time that's going to have the most effort put into it. Uh, Cause totally. it's not just the one individual eating. So a yeah. lot of times I'll focus on dinner, assuming that's the meal. Otherwise it might be like, flipped the you know breakfast might be the meal that everyone's kind of sitting together and then the rest of the day everyone's schedules are kind of wonky and stuff like that so whichever meal is the one that kind of has the most effort to it is the one that i'll kind of start with unless it's something where like i have a really bad breakfast or i shouldn't say well fuck it i have a really shitty breakfast dinner's meh and i just don't eat in the middle of the day okay we need to create something in the middle of the day and that'll become the priority there yeah, I think also too, it's like, I mean, this is like just general information, right? But like also just like for your own self, like ask yourself, what is the easiest meal for you to change? 
Mm. You know, what is the easiest one? Like if you don't really care what you eat for lunch, maybe lunch is your meal then that you need to focus on changing. Yeah. And in my experience, I think lunch is the hardest meal to change for most people. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, can't really say that I've had the same experience, um, but um, even with like myself, my own clients and stuff like that. Um, but I think it really depends on the person again, too. You know, like if you're working with a lot of people that go out to eat for lunch with their coworkers, yeah, lunch is going to be a really hard time to change, a hard thing to change because you're in, you're influenced by a lot of people around you. Yeah. It's also, there's also more of a social dynamic too. Yeah. If you are that social that you have lunch with other people at your that, office. <laughs> I, I, I think it's been like a, I can't remember the last time I had lunch with someone. Um, uh, does my husband count? We both work from home, so I guess so. Oh, you're getting all three. That, that's not fair. <laughs> I'm coming over. I'm coming over for lunch one day. Right? <laughs> well, see, there you go. Then you can have lunch with people. Yeah. We'll keep them healthy. We talked about um, insecure insecurities. <laughs> Food insecurity. It's probably a thing. it's probably a thing, but we're not going to go there. Definitely is a thing. So we talked about food sensitivities. We talked about inflammation and things like that. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Talk to me about the difference between inflammation and a sensitivity and like inflammation in terms of your nutrition. Because when I think inflammation, I think I was walking, I tripped, I sprained my ankle. My ankle is now inflamed, right? And I think a lot of people, I think the the general perception of inflammation is probably going to be that way. Like, oh, some, this is swollen or my wrist is swollen or my, you know, something hurt. Um, and so what, what does that change with nutrition and why is, how can it be hard to detect and things like that? Yeah. Very great question. Super complex question. I will add. <laughs> Thanks mm. for really making that easy for me. Um, so nutrition inflammation is way harder to pinpoint because first of all, it, it is not, is not like just like one size fits all. It's not like you roll your ankle and it's like, oh, well, if everyone rolls their ankle, they're probably going to have inflammation always at their ankle. Right. Um, that's usually not how it is for people. So for, um, some people, for instance, if they have gluten, um, they will have inflammation around their joints and then they get joint pain. So if you are someone that has a lot of joint issues, a lot of times it could be a sign of gluten sensitivity or like migraines are also linked to gluten sensitivities, which you may call it um, anxiety. Gluten can be like, like fuel on a fire if you, have, if you struggle with anxiety. Um, but other things then too, like acne, for instance, if you have adult acne, um, a lot of times it can be a dairy intolerance. So it's just, and again, it is not the same thing for every single person, right? You could be, you could totally tolerate maybe gluten perfectly well and be struggling with any of those symptoms that I mentioned and not even be related to gluten, right? So that's what makes it really, really hard. Um, the, the, um, inflammatory system is super complex. There's many different markers, um, we tend to sometimes only focus on a select few, um, but it just makes it so hard to detect. And inflammation in your gut can be at numerous different points. So that's why we struggle, for instance, with bloating. Bloating, some people will say, oh, I feel inflamed around my gut, um, which is a kind of what kind of what bloating is, right? It just feels like inflammation. Um, but that can occur, you know, 
in your small intestine and might occur further and more in your large intestine, right? Um, it, it just it can occur at different points. So it's really, really hard to pinpoint. And it's also not something you can just see. Um, in order to really see your gut too, I mean, it's very expensive to get a camera down there. <laughs> it's going to cost you. Um, it's going to cost you time and money too. So inflammation is just... Um, it can be very widespread in your body and it can be linked to food. And a lot of times it is linked to food or food is making a certain system worse. Yeah. One thing to, to specify too, if you are sensitive to gluten, there, there's, a, or there's a difference between being sensitive to gluten, right. And having some inflammation in the body and having celiac disease. Totally. Right. right. They're two very different things, right? You see a lot of it now, like, Oh, I'm gluten-free. I'm gluten-free. I'm gluten-free. Right. And okay. Well, why are you gluten-free? You don't have celiac disease. Right. Not to be confused, right? If you have celiac disease, you will know. Uh, what we're talking about is just little changes in your body, right? That can affect the way that you live, breathe, interact with the planet that are kind of more of an inconvenience as opposed to I had gluten and now I'm dying, right? So when you look at like a, a peanut allergy, as an example, if I, if someone has a peanut, they go into anaphylactic shock. It's not that it, there's a difference between those. There's a, there's a clear boundary there. And like a lot of times if you have a food allergy or an intolerance, stuff like that, you're going to know, like everyone who's lactose intolerant knows they're lactose intolerant uh, and stuff like that. So um, for the most part, yeah. Yeah. That's just a, a, a quick note on that because those, that's something that you hear a lot too. It's like, Oh, I'm going gluten-free or like you see it on a menu. This is gluten-free and things of that nature. So. Yeah. And to also kind of clarify, um, like there are different markers that we use too. So um, like IgG is mainly more of um, like a food intolerance and IgE is more of a sign of inflammation too. Uh, sorry, of an allergy, of a true allergy allergy. So there's different markers you want to look for as well. And those are just different immune system markers that we look for, right? Um, and I hopefully I'm remembering that correctly, my pregnancy brain. Yeah, IgE is your food allergy. Um, and then IgG is your food sensitivity. So very different. And to Anthony's point, um, there are so many different variants. There's so many variances in gluten, in particular, in the different sensitivities, um, that it makes it really hard to figure out if you're gluten intolerant. And the best way to do it sometimes is just by eliminating it for a while and see if you feel better. So we can kind of just dive right into elimination diets if you want to. For the most part, when you look at elimination diets, you're getting rid of the big categories, right? So you're getting rid of gluten, dairy, you're getting rid of your nightshades, sugar, alcohol, eggs, peanuts. I think I'm missing a couple there, maybe a couple smaller ones. Sometimes corn can be an issue for people. Mm, corn. Um, sometimes like your legumes can be an issue, um, like your beans and all of that. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, so you, you can eliminate a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so basically what, so what an elimination diet is, right? So you, most of the time you're going to remove the cat, everything that I just said out of those categories, what that it, what those are, those are a collection of the things that if you were like on average throughout the world's population, those are the things most people will have some form of interaction with that might give them a food sensitivity, right? So that's where that list comes from. Ideally what you do, you basically one at a time, or you so say you take all the food groups out and you go for about a week or so, and then you slowly giving it a few one a few days, you add each one back into your diet. What you're looking for is kind of like, okay, I've taken rid of, I've gotten everything that could be causing me some symptoms. Now let's find out which one it is. And when you rebuild it, so now you throw eggs back in, for instance, and the only thing that you've changed is you've had eggs in your diet for two days. You feel, you feel fine. You feel normal. There's nothing too crazy. Great. Move on to the next thing. Yeah. Dairy back in. 
so on and so forth. And you'll kind of start to pick out after each meal, you write down, how do you feel? How did I eat? Stuff like that. And it'll kind of give you an idea of like, oh, I had tomatoes or peppers or something in this. And like that just like blew me up. I, I felt awful after that meal. Um, or maybe it was gluten and you had a headache or something like that. And that's how you can kind of start to narrow and okay, here are the food groups and things that I have in my diet that aren't doing me any favors and kind of adding uh, to the discomfort that, you know, I'm generally feeling. Totally. So I totally agree with Anthony. And I probably, I mean, this might be implied, but I probably would add even to that list, like processed foods, added sugars, artificial sweeteners to that list as well. Um, but again, like, I think it's important, like throughout these kinds of elimination diets, unless like you're super educated in this field, I do highly recommend to do it with the guidance of someone else. Um, because you are messing around with your gut microbiome. And as much as we think we know so much about our gut microbiome, we really know very little about it. And research is constantly changing and evolving around it. Um, but I do recommend to, I mean, if you're like, if you say, hey, I really can't afford it, I really can't do it or whatnot, um, that's a different story. But definitely those food groups that Anthony rattled off, those are going to be your more inflammatory foods groups that you want to eliminate. Um, another thing you can do too is do a food sensitivity test. If you say that sounds like a lot and I can't do that all. Um, doing a food sensitivity test can help you too. Um, I know there's like Everly, they're advertised everywhere. They're okay, I suppose. Um, but there are some real like blood tests that you can do as well um, that I think are a little bit superior. So why don't, so why, why aren't blood tests something that are typically done by your doctor? Not For that the food not, sensitivities? Not that they're not done by a doctor, right? But like, so I'll give you an example. I go to the doctor and I'm like, doc, I got this killer migraine. It happens every Wednesday. You know what I mean? Middle of the week, I always have this migraine and stuff like that. Like, and, and what, like, so here's my question. Cause I'll, what we know, and obviously the, the field of migraines, now, I'm not a medical doctor or anything like that, but there's research out there that, you know, it's not necessarily like a, a regular thing, right? There's an, it's a, an irregularity that, that happens to some people and things like that. And there are various causes for that, but one of them could be your nutrition and things like that. Why is it not something that, why is that not the first jab? Do you think? Okay, well, we're really going to hop in another soapbox of mine, aren't we? Okay. So, I mean, in true, doc I mean, the doctors that go through your traditional medical system of education, right, they go to med school and all of that. If you're lucky, you receive more than one hour of nutrition. Maybe you received a whole semester of nutrition, which would be amazing, right? But that's like one class, okay, that you took for a whole semester. And that's it. Okay. So a lot of times too, it's just like, it's a lack of education around food. And if you do get a doctor that asks you about your diet, like do not switch, stick with that person, shout it from the rooftops, share that person with me. I want to go see that doctor. Um, it's just diet and lifestyle is just not commonly spoken about uh, because it's a lack of education on their part. They're used to treating symptoms. Uh, they're not used to necessarily treating the cause of the symptoms. And they have their special place. I don't want to, I don't want to villainize doctors. They do have their special place in the whole system of it. Um, it's just, we need to also focus on like, why are you getting migraines in the first place? And really look at the root cause of that versus like, here's, here's a very strong painkiller for you to take to override <laughs> your migraine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you think it's something to do with like, is, is it something, is it like an insurance thing as well? Like where it's not life-threatening, so it's not viewed as something that necessarily needs to happen, almost like it's an elective thing? So 
I I love you're just like you're hitting all my favorites right now. Okay, the insurance system. Hmm. Yeah, so I definitely think the insurance system plays a huge part in it. It's really hard to say what came first, right? It's like the chicken or the egg example. Um, I don't villainize insurance companies as much as I used to, um, just mainly because I think the whole system evolved from a very reactionary standpoint. I don't think that 50 years ago, people really had so much insight into, you know, how we eat nowadays, right? Like 60, 70 years ago, we were worried about making sure people had enough calories to eat. Now people eating too many calories, but are super malnutrition because they're not getting enough vitamins anymore. So the way we as a society are in our sicknesses are so different in the sense of how they come about. Um, and in our areas of concern too, um, it's just different than it was 50, 60, 70 years ago, right? Um, and this system is an old system, our insurance system, the way we, doctors go through med school and all of that. And so I think it's just a very reactionary system. It kind of came about like, oh, we have a need for insurance out. Let's do that. Oh, uh, yeah, we should probably do medic like things that are a life or death situation. Those should probably be covered by insurance. Okay, let's do that. So we're kind of, we're kind of in this rut, shall we say. Yeah, I think you used a great word there, reactionary. Yeah. Right. So it's like one of those things. It's like, I just trot along on the surface of the earth doing my thing. And then suddenly they're like, oh, I broke a bone. I need to go see a doctor. Right. Great. Cool. Fix the bone. Here's some painkillers on your way. Um, and that's kind of like what we're accustomed to. So we treat kind of everything that way. And totally. when you look at like illness and stuff like that, and you look at like, and it's a, it's kind of cliche and you kind of hear it everywhere. Like if you don't make time for your health now, you have to make time for your illness later. Yeah. And, and like a lot of times, if you look at people who are unhealthy, who encounter certain situations that have recently arisen and you look at how their bodies are handling those things and you can kind of take a look at, okay, let's get, we're seeing it in the micro, obviously what's going on. And we take us, take a look at it in the macro. And it's like, well, for the last 10 years, you haven't been taking care of yourself. What did you think was going to happen? And exactly. it, that, and maybe that's a, a maybe more of a Darwinistic view, but essentially that's what it is. Like you kind of got to, you have to be proactive with a lot of this stuff, right? And you have to say like, Hey, like things are going on with my body and I don't feel great. I don't feel right. You don't want to wait for that ticking time bomb to blow. Right. Um, the one thing about that, right. If you look at life, father time is coming for some of us, it comes sooner than later. Those the, you're going to run into these issues. How you your body reacts when you run into these issues will determine a lot of the outcome, right? It'll determine how much longer you live, uh, how after you, how strong is your immune system, how well are you going to be able to, you know, come back from an injury and things like that. Um, so it's definitely something to kind of, that's kind of fascinating. And you look at it; it's a system that's set up to be reactionary. Um, and it, if we're proactive, it might look a little different. Totally. And, you know, also too, just to kind of add onto the insurance part is it's, it's already such a, the scale of the system is so large um, to expect a change to happen. Um, maybe in our lifetime that might be better um, is very slim. It's just such a large beast of a machine. I think to Anthony's point is absolutely correct. Like you have to take care of your health. If you start noticing symptoms where you're like, just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal, like a headache, for instance. Yeah, super common. Everyone gets headaches. But is it normal for you to be getting a headache, right? So looking into like why, and especially if it starts happening more frequently, looking into the why. Um, if you start feeling bloated, if you get heartburn, like heartburn is should not be normal. 
if you get mm. heartburn, you should really like come seek us out. <laughs> I love helping people with heartburn. It's like the easiest fix, but it's, it's a whole episode within itself. Um, but like heartburn isn't something you should have to live with. Um, it's actually a sign that you have a disruption in your system. You should address it. So if you're taking a medication every single day, um, no matter what it is, if it's prescription, keep taking it, right? But if you're taking like ibuprofen every single day, we should really have a conversation around that because you should not be taking ibuprofen every day. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I find it, the the other big, in I find it super interesting, right? The other big indicator too is like, look at how often you're sick, right? If you have, if you have, you know, small children and stuff like that, you, you might be a little tougher because obviously they're going to go, they're going to spread germs, they're going to lick stuff, and then they're going to come back to your house, they're going to get you all germy and things of that nature. But for the most part, like if you're somebody, if you're getting sick a lot, you get you you know there might be some there might be some opportunity there in your immune system and things like that or maybe there's something that's inhibiting your immune system that you want to kind of take a look at and maybe get some proactivity around to to put it in perspective in the past 5 years i've been sick for like 3 days yeah and and when i was sick in those 3 days i didn't take any medicine either yeah and i nothing, think yeah and it, it just processes within call it I don't know, process it in and out within a day. Like I might have the sniffles for like 10 hours, then I'm back, I'm back the way I was before. Um, and you take it even extrapolate it back further. I've probably, I think I've had the flu once in my entire life. And that was when I was much, 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 much younger. I was still a child. So um, now that's not me saying that like, Hey, I'm look at me. I'm blessed with like this great immune system. Haha. -ha, like, Oh, it's just that that's my, it's my reality. Like, so when I see people like, Oh, I'm sick all the time, or like I have the flu this week and two weeks later I have the cold. And then, you know, a month later, like I'm devastated by like another sneezing attack and uh, allergies are acting up. I'm like, like, how do you live like that? Like, it, it just, it seems so foreign to me. Yeah. Coming from someone who I do get sick a little bit more often than Anthony does. I totally admit that, but all the two, like, um, yeah, I mean, I know for me, I know why I get sick more often. Like, I know my gut microbiome isn't very strong. Um, and I, it's something I constantly have to keep fighting for all the time. Um, I dealt with very many years of having to live, I'm having to have it, I had to eat on a strong elimination diet for many, many years until I finally got under control. So I know my gut microbiome is messed up. And I know it's not a fix that you do within a, a year even. Um, but you know, I'm hoping that over time we could be like Anthony, maybe one day <laughs> and be we, sick can, less. we can hope right. if, you fill, if you fill out the consultation form in my bio, we can get started and see if we can take the appropriate steps. I appreciate that. Thank you. Maybe, maybe after the baby, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, but yeah, your, your immune system very much lives in your gut as well. Right. So, um, how much you exercise, what you're eating, how well you're sleeping, all those things are massive factors into it. Um, and to kind of round things back up to the detoxing system again, I think we're all just looking for ways to be healthier, um, and to make healthier choices and to make a jump start on our health. And there definitely are great ways to do so. Um, but again, I think the reason you should really look into the why, like, why are you doing it? And what are you hoping to get out of it? Um, because you may be what you think you are, what you need to be doing is not at all what's going to be helping you. Sure. So let's say I'm someone, I come to you as a client and I'm like, hey, I got all these weird symptoms. Like, what are some simple steps that I can do? Just give me advice. Like, what are five things that I could do to improve my quality of life as I'm kind of navigating this kind of fitness thing and dabbling with like, okay, maybe I have some food insensitivities and things like that. 
So I always recommend lab work. I think lab work is just really insightful and can help you a lot with like knowing where to go. Um, but let's say lab work is just for whatever reason out of your realm. Um, I actually I actually think number one should be sleep. Like how well mm. are you sleeping and are you getting good quality sleep? Um, people usually don't sleep enough, nor do they allow themselves the luxury of sleeping enough. So sleep is the number one thing to fix a lot of things that are going on in your system. Um, and then we would look at your diet, you know, like, are you eating enough fiber? Are you drinking enough water? Are you eating enough protein? Um, and looking at those three elements first um, are going to be super crucial. Because if you focus on eating more fiber, you're likely going to eat a little bit less gluten. You're likely going to eat a little bit less dairy. Well, I could eat a little bit less of these inflammatory foods. But I would highly also look at, do you have any reactions already to certain foods? Do you have acne? All right. Well, it doesn't matter if you reduce acne, you're going to continue to have acne. So we need to just eliminate it entirely. So... I don't know. I didn't really answer your question because it's really hard to answer because it's really the person like a case by case basis. Yeah. Um, My general advice, if I could give five tips here, try to sleep eight hours a day or eight hours a night. If you're someone who struggles with sleep and you're like, oh, I can function on six hours. I'm Elon Musk. That's okay. Just do a little side project. Maybe for 30 days, I'm going to sleep eight hours a night and I'm going to see how things change. See how I feel. Love that. That'd be step one. Mm -hmm. Step two, when you wake up in the morning, go buy one of those big-ass water bottles and drink a gallon of water a day, right? Do that for that same 30-day period. When you look at your diet, just take a picture of every single plate. Don't change anything. Just do your normal thing, but take a picture of everything you eat and look at it and see what colors are represented in your diet. Do we see a lot of green? Is it mostly brown? What are the whites in there? Are there oranges, reds, blues, stuff like that? So if you look at when, so Sandra brought up a good point, you want fiber in your diet and th that's amazing. And fiber is going to come from things that are the color of green, blue, reds, orange, yellow, stuff like that, right? Your vegetables, uh, to put it plainly, right? So that's one of the reasons why you want them, but you also get your vitamins, your minerals and things like that from them too. The next one is going to be write down how you feel after everything that you, that you eat. So now, and, and in this, all you've really done, you're sleeping more and you're drinking more water and you're just taking pictures of stuff. Just write down how you feel after you take the pic, after you ate what was in the picture, right? So if you're, if you have McDonald's every day for lunch, you can still do that. If you have Chick-fil-A, you could still do that. There's colorful things on those menus, right? Take a look at them and don't even worry about improving them just yet, but just take an inventory. Like I know when I come home and I eat, I eat a meal and I suddenly feel sluggish and things like that. That's something that you write down. I had a headache after lunch. That's something that you write down. Uh, I was hungry immediately after dinner. That's something that you write down and things like that. And from there, then just go for a little walk, right? If you do those five things for 30 days, you'll have a pretty good idea of what's kind of going on. And a lot of times when you look at juicing and just drinking a gallon of water a day, it's, they're kind of going to coincide the same way. The only difference is going to be when you juice, if you're juicing vegetables and fruits, you'll have more minerals, vitamins, and stuff like that pumped into you, but they're also going to come out the other end, to be honest with you. Um, and you're probably going to have a headache because there's going to be a higher sugar con content in that kind of diet. So take it a, I would say before taking that extreme step, see if you can sleep eight hours a night and drink a gallon of water. If you've, if the, if the, of the five steps they gave you, if there's only two that you like, do those two. And if you pair that with, you know, things we've talked about in previous episodes, if you can't do those two things, what makes you think anything else is going to be possible? You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that, and those are two of the behaviors that are like the foundation of it.
uh, the foundation of everything that you try to do and any kind of change that you want to make. Because even if you're like, I just need to work out and that's the missing link. If you don't sleep and you work out, you are going to be burning the candle at both ends. Yeah. And that will catch up with you. Um, but just to kind of wrap things up here, since you brought up juice cleanses and I was been itching to say this. Juice. Um, yes. I have worked with many people of many different areas of the world that just can't get over and have to do a juice cleanse. Doesn't matter how much I tell them that, hey, you know, if you just ate the vegetables instead of drinking them, that would also be like super beneficial to you. They don't care. They juice cleanse must happen. You're going to say something. I saw you itching to say something. I'm just laughing. So, you know, I can't stop thinking of what was it a Geico commercial where there's like a life size Pinocchio, but the guy's like six foot tall and he's sitting there and he's talking about how he's doing a juice cleanse and like his diet's going to change. Is it Geico? I, that's I think, all I, I know oh. what you mean. I don't and know. He's like, Geico, but... he's like, I'm doing a juice cleanse. Yeah. Like, that's all I can think of right now. And it's, uh, it's just so funny. So. If you are one of those people and you're just itching, you just have to get it out of your system to do a juice cleanse, here is my spiel around it. Juice cleanses, yes, there are a lot of vitamins in there, a lot of minerals, right? There's probably, probably going to drink more water on there. It's definitely better than going through Bojangles drive through So I will give you some of those factors. Here's depends, a depends on what your scale of measurement is. <laughs> Okay, well, I haven't had a great <laughs> meal at Bojangles, so that's why I happened to pick on Bojangles. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't like it. I do prefer Chick-fil-A. I'm going to let you finish, but... Yeah. Okay, well, we'll get on to that later. Um, the problem with a juice cleanse is, is that usually it's three or five days long. Um, you're definitely not getting enough calories in to actually even sustain your energy levels if you were to continue it on juice cleanse long term. You also don't get any protein in there. It's just like vitamins and water and some sugar and other stuff. So what I recommend to people is, is if you must have your juice, but please pair it with a protein, right? So um, let's say you're not doing an elimination diet, maybe have some eggs in the morning, have your, have your juice with it for lunch, have some chicken and have your little juice bottle with it. Right. And just kind of like follow that similar pattern. Just so you're keeping up with your protein, your body still has food to digest. Um, yeah, we're not getting any fiber in that way, right? But at least you're getting your protein in still. So if you must, I would say that is probably a smart way of going about it. I like it. Funny story. I once had a partner who uh, wanted to do a juice cleanse. And this was years ago. This is like before I was a trainer, before I was a nutrition coach and anything like that. And I was like, yeah, look, look sure, why not? I, I had no idea what it was, but I was just being supportive. So the first part, I actually enjoyed the process of the juicing. I, yeah, I wanted, it is. It's good. I wanted to fucking juice everything. Like everything was going in the juicer or whatever I can get my hands on. <laughs> Let's do it. Like what does a carrot look like if it goes through it? The, I think the funny thing is, is like that Like on the first day, it's like, this is awesome. Like just throw apples in this thing and then they shoot out and you waste so much food doing yeah, all it. All that fiber. They, like you just end, <laughs> you end up with more like just chopped up matter than you do like actual juice. Totally. So like if you're making a pitcher to last you like five to seven days or three to five days or something like that, you're going through like a farm's worth of vegetables and stuff totally. like that. I think the best thing you're really doing instead of juicing is you just blend those vegetables and fruit together. 
like you keep the fiber intact with it yeah probably be superior than just juicing yeah i will say though that the act of like just throwing stuff through these blades that was awesome maybe that's yeah. a child maybe that's a child in me maybe it's the same thing like a wood chipper um <laughs> i do love the taste of fresh juice like i will say like a good apple carrot and beet juice or something like that with some celery like that is really delicious it is really good so i don't want to discourage people from juicing it's just like don't make that as like like don't just make that your only meal use it as like a like a supplement to what you're doing yeah super interesting the things you just listed if you gave them to me in a glass juiced i'm probably gonna throw up really you don't yeah. you don't drink like beets and apple and carrots i i will absolutely just like i'll become violent let's just put it that way oh geez if you put them on a plate i'll eat them gladly oh huh. It's the strangest thing. I, I I literally, I do not, I think, what do I drink? I drink water, chocolate milk, an energy drink, <laughs> Coke Zero. That's my thing. Those are the, the, that's all I drink. Oh, interesting. I've been on a lemonade kick since I've been pregnant, but it's for me right now, it's just water and coffee. And oh yeah. Coffee. Tea. Coffee. That's the other one. Sometimes tea. But Love me some coffee. Yeah. Come a long way for my, for my energy drink days. Those are Dude. long over. Did you see what happened to Bang? No. They filed for bankruptcy. No. Yeah. So someone can, someone swooped in to save them. But so for those of you who aren't familiar with Bang Energy Drinks, if you read their can, it's super flashy. Their whole marketing strategy is find a hot supermodel, give her a can of Bang. whoop de doo If you look at their can, it says, hey, we've got not creatine. We have super creatine in it. And we have CoQ10 in it, right? CoQ10 is the uh, is basically something that helps you with anti-aging, right? That's kind of what they go with there. The uh, so one of the claims that the CEO actually came out and said is like, "Hey, like we have this super creatine. It's better than all the other creatines." And stop me if you heard that if you've heard that before in the supplement industry. Uh, but here and over there, then they're like, "Hey, my drink is so great. It can actually reverse like." You know, it can help with Alzheimer's. It can help with dementia. It can actually reverse mental retardation. Oh, and everyone's like, everyone's like, what? Yeah, he actually came out and like, he, that was his like official statement. Like, here's my stance oh, on my shit. product. Right. And then on top of it, they have like the, they have the most, they have the best flavors. There's no energy drink that tastes as good as a Bang energy drink. Yeah. Bangs are, anyway, they're great. If you're in the fitness industry, you are drinking Bangs. <laughs> yeah. Everything that I just said before, before I said that their flavors are great. Absolute hogwash, right? So Monster actually sued them for saying Stop. that they could reverse mental retardation. And they won for in the tune of like $477 million. Holy so that so they had to pay Monster, right? Then Ouch. they had another lawsuit going with Pepsi, who was their distributor. And I guess they had they were like the exclusive distributor, don't quote me on this. And they broke that, they breached that contract somehow. And Pepsi won a lawsuit against them for another hundred and like twenty million dollars. So they had to file no. for bank. They filed for bankruptcy. So when you go around your local gas stations, I think Sheets around here is the only one that really has any kind of stock or any of the ones worth having. Oh. They have. There's like they're like hard to. I shouldn't say hard to find. They're harder to find now. Oh my god! So my sister-in-law just told me that at her she goes to UNC and they took out the bangs from their vending machine. I love how like we're talking about bangs on a detox subject. Um, they got rid of the bangs and they put in Celsius instead. I'm like, oh man! But they left the monsters in there. I'm like, well, wouldn't bangs and Celsius be like a way better combination? But now that makes sense. Fun fact: you know who made you know the Rain energy drinks? Rain, yes. 
guess who owns them? Who? Monster. Oh. See, that's how they get you. It's basically a monster in a can, and they write BCAAs on it. They do taste better than monsters, though. I don't like monsters. They do. White monster. White monster is pretty good. It's doing well. I feel like we're gonna get critiques about our about our energy drinks here. We'll we'll do a podcast one day. We'll make up for it. <laughs> we'll talk about energy drinks exclusively. <laughs> Personally, I love when people shit on me for for my caffeine consumption. Yeah, and a lot of times, like so, obviously, we're talking about elimination diet. We're talking about things that cause inflammation. Caffeine is one of the things that you would totally. cut out on an elimination diet. That's something that can really alter kind of everything that you got going on. It can mess with your adrenals and things of that nature. So my response is always, I'll live with the caffeine issues because most of the other stuff that you would eliminate anyway, I don't have too much of, mostly because from trial and error, I'm like, oh, like if I eat a lot of cheese, not that I'm lactose intolerant, but I'm not going to be the most comfortable person if I just constantly am just pounding cheese. A lot of times I look at it and say, okay, it's can't throw stones if you live in a glass house, right? And a lot of times it's like, Eh, I'll live with that. That'll be a small concession, the small, the small dirty part that I have my crazy caffeine addiction. Um, yeah. And then I'll raise you your migraines. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a good note to end this on, right? It's like, you know, at the end of the day, if everything else is going great and you have one thing on that list that you eat and it seems to work for you, you don't have issues, then continue on living, right? But if you're doing all the things on all the lists of the naughty lists, of things you probably may get inflammation from you will probably be inflamed what do you think if you would happen if you put a can of bang in a juicer like the whole can <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> like if it's just the juice it should just go through but <laughs> yeah that actually wouldn't be a bad idea that would be too bad <laughs> sounds like i've been juicing for days or just drinking bangs <laughs> yeah yeah that's all i know bang and coffee yeah <laughs> and applesauce <laughs> but uh, yeah i unfortunately have to get going i have to console my dear husband and his mm. terrible loss uh, hopefully that won't be me in the next couple of days yeah well you guys are playing uh who's germany got costa rica oh yeah you just gotta win by like seven goals yeah <laughs> no big deal actually it's nine if we win by nine it doesn't matter what the other team does i think i did i think if i did my math correctly Wow. That's possible. They got lit up by Spain. They lost seven nothing to Spain. So Yeah. So possibilities are there. But it's a weird World Cup, so who knows? Hmm. All right. It's it's been a pleasure chopping it up with you as usual. So <laughs> great information there on inflammation, food sensitivities. Obviously, it's a huge topic, right? So we would have like a four hour long podcast if we actually went into each and every kind of nook and cranny there. So I think we gave you a pretty good pretty good amount to kind of get out there, be dangerous, get involved, see what's going on with, you know, some things that you're, you might be experiencing and kind of play with some things a little bit. Obviously, if you run into something that becomes a little bit more major, or you identify something that's chronic, reach out to a fitness professional, whether it be us too, if you know us or anyone in your area who does, you know, nutrition work, dietitian, things like that, and, you know, get super specific about it and you'll thank yourself later. Yes, definitely. Reach out to us with your questions. <laughs>